0: Well, Kevin Barker, the winter meetings are over. About $1.5 billion was given out to free agents in San Diego. A lot of that money went to free agents who will be in their late 30s or indeed 40 at the end of their contracts. And the Toronto Blue Jays did bupkis. Now... (laughs) That's kind of the winter, me- the winter <laughs> meetings in a nutshell for Blue Jays fans. Kevin, give me your take, first of all, on the contracts we saw signed, specifically the Xander Bogarts deal with the San Diego Padres, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Blue Jays and what they did or didn't do and where they need to go from here.
1: Yeah, the, well, the Padres one with the 11 years, $280 million, the number's ridiculous. Like the 11 years, $280 million for Xander Bogarts. I mean, that's ridiculous money. At the end of that thing, it's going to look like all the other older, longer contracts. We've seen it, Jeff. We know what it's going to look like. But for me, that's the Padres looking at the the Dodgers and going, hey, look, they look like they're taking, I don't want to say a step back, but they got a little hiccup over there. And they're the Padres are looking like they want to take advantage of that and, and make a little run at that. And you could argue right now, today, Jeff, that the Padres are the team to beat in the, in the NL West. Uh, the, I mean, I thought I thought Major League Baseball had issues with money. Like I, I didn't,
0: I, I didn't think. <laughs> didn't that, we have that, a lockout over that? <laughs> I thought so too. I, I
1: I didn't think all these owners were were willing. I, we knew they had money. But we're willing to spend this kind of money, and this is just tell you that, man, when, when it's go time and and these owners are buying in to what the GMs and the presidents are selling, they will open up the wallets and put big-time money, no matter what your age is. I mean, look at the Mets, man. It's like, it's just the the threshold. What? Woo, how much money that guy's going to pay in taxes is just ridiculous. So, is it cool to watch? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on who your team is and who you 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 like to watch all the time. And it brings it back to you asked, you know Buckus about the Blue Jays. I, I where are they going? Like that uh, that that's the question here. And and if you're a Blue Jays fan, Jeff, you got to ask the obvious question: Are the Blue Jays legitimately all in? Like, can you say they're pushing their chips in the middle of the table and they're just like all the other big-time teams who are going for it? That, for me, if you're a Jays fan, that's the question you got to ask yourself going away from these winter meetings.
0: Okay, let's let's develop that argument for a minute, and we'll be joined by Sweeney Murdy in a few minutes to talk about the Aaron Judge contract, and John Schneider will join us as well. There was a lot of money thrown around at the winter meetings. Realistically, I mean as, as 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 far as we know there were three free agents that the Blue Jays were in on or at least thought they had a realistic chance of signing. I mean leave, let's leave aside Bogart's judge. They were they were coming to the Blue Jays and and they don't make sense for the Blue Jays. Really long term, they don't make sense for the Blue Jays. Trey Turner's a guy we love uh, 11 years, $300 million for a guy plays a position where you've already got a guy. And we can have our debate about Bo Bichette. But the fact of the matter is, I, Trey Turner wasn't coming here either. So there were, there were three free agents that, as far as we know, the Jays had a legitimate interest in. We are led to believe Kyle Gibson took less money to go to the Baltimore Orioles and pitch in a much more friendly pitcher's ballpark. Andrew Heaney didn't sign with the Blue Jays, and Kenley Jansen were led to believe was somebody the Jays were interested in. First of all, it makes an inordinate amount of sense that the Jays would be in on all three of those guys. However, Kyle Gibson, Andrew Heaney, I'd rather have Ross Stripling. <laughs> That's like, what seriously. I was going to say. I was going to say the exact same Kenley thing. Kenley Jansen, I get. We we've talked about this. You you need somebody in that bullpen, at the back end, who can. Maybe not fill in for Jordan Romano, but give you a little more wiggle room. Our friend Ned Colletti. Remember, what Ned Colletti said last year, and we asked him about Kenley Jansen. He said Kenley Jansen is not only a good closer. He said, Kenley Jansen is the perfect guy to have on a team that already has a closer because he can do all sorts of roles for you. Remember, Ned Coletti said that. So that yep. makes sense to me. But I, I would caution Blue Jays fans about this. That doesn't move the needle for me. If, if the Jays had signed Andrew Heaney, they any closer to the Yankees? I, I don't know. Nope. Closer to the what Guardians, is, closer to the Rays, maybe. closer to but, the Astros. Basically, Andrew Heaney's replacing Ross Stripling. I, I mean, I, you know, I understand everybody, when the winter meetings happen, everybody wants their team to make a deal. And it almost seems to me it's just for the sake of making a deal. But you got to ask yourself, who moved that the Jays, one, wanted, or two, you know, realistically had a chance of getting? As far listen, if you're going to get upset about not having Andrew Heaney, Kyle Gibson, or Kenley Jansen, I got one name for you. You say Kikuchi. I mean, seriously, none of those guys, other than Jansen, moves the needle even a tick for me, even a tick. There are still some free agent pitchers out there. That's true. There's guys like Chris Bassett, guys like that. Um, Brandon Nemo, the center fielder, still out there. Now he's probably going to get six or seven years on a contract and you got to ask yourself as much as you need you know much as it would be nice to have that that center fielder who hits left and hits at the top of the order yada yada etc etc um you got to ask yourself if you're gonna if you want to pay brandon nemo pretty much what you're paying george springer like it it, and that's not just uh, that's not ownership being cheap that's just kind of good business i thought going into the winter meetings kevin that the Jays' heavy lifting was going to be done in the trade market and that free agency was going to kind of fill in the cracks. In other words, the Jays would address pitching and or their lack of balance in the lineup via trade, whether that's trading prospects or trading one of their catchers or maybe trading somebody like Santiago Espinal and then use free agency to kind of fill in the cracks, right? Maybe get a Michael Conforto or a Michael Brantley, somebody that's going to give you a useful piece. I, I've seen nothing out of, the, out of these winter meetings that has changed my mind about the Jays' direction, with the exception, and I want to get to this, with the exception, Kevin, of what do you do contractually with Bo Bichette after seeing all the money those shortstops are getting. After understanding Dansby Swanson and Carlos Correa aren't off the board yet, Carlos Correa is going to get more money than Xander Bogarts. Now, Bo Bichette, way to runs created plus, was third in the majors last year behind Bogarts and Correa. War, he was eighth. He was better than Carlos Correa in war. OPS, he's had one of the best, sorry, OPS Plus. He's been one of the best hitters in baseball, not just shortstop, since 2018, 2019. Yes, defensive metrics, shall we say, aren't friends to Bo Bichette. But, you know, everybody got wrapped up about the Aaron Judge contract and the impact that would have on Vladdy or Bo. Aaron Judge is a different deal. Kevin, the Bogarts deal, the Correa deal. Swanson deal coupled with what Corey Seager signed for last year; those are the deals that I think really have an impact on what the Jays are going to do. Certainly with Bo.
1: Okay, let me ask you a question: Has has the ship sailed on on Bo signing a big time deal here? Like, like the the conflict that he had in the in the spring training of last I think it's last year, right? The the he's had back to back leading the American League in hits. Uh, it just for me on the outside looking in and you can get the feel when you walk by Bo, you just can tell the relationship between the organization and Bo. I, is it there? Like, I, what's here's the, the thing, number have to be for Bo to go? Yeah,
0: I'm all in on that. I mean, here, here's the thing, Kevin. First of all, you know, I keep reminding people this. Bo and Vladdy both come from families with a ton of money. Like I and, and I'm not saying this to denigrate anybody. But I mean this isn't Ronald Acuna or Ozzie Albis desperately needing money to feed their family. It's, it's just not. It, it, it's not. Both of the both of the Bachette and Guerrero families are well taken care of. So You that, know it's an ego thing better than
1: anybody. You've been around baseball that, long enough to know that's yeah, and what it that, is. And that's
0: not going to play with those players. The issue I have is when Mark Shapiro talks about there has to be a shared risk between the player and the team. And when Mark Shapiro talks about finding a sweet spot, I've got to respectfully disagree. I don't think there's a shared risk here. If you want to get these deals done, the risk falls way more heavily on the team. To me, it's up to the team to move the needle in these contracts. If you want to sign Bo Bichette, then you go out and try to sign him. Right? You go out and don't, don't give me the shared risk stuff. No, no, you, ass- you assume the risk, your, your ownership. You assume, the- you assume a risk every time you sign a player, there's a chance the guy could fall in the shower and tear his knees. So, nah, there's no, there's no shared risk here. Uh, it- and that's my concern about this, is the Jays have been pretty good at going out and signing other people's players. But Manoa, Bo, Vladdy, how do you take care of those guys? And Kevin, at no point have we gotten the sense that Bo is how do I phrase this? You get the sense the relationship between Bo and the organization is more strained than the relationship between Vladdy and the organization. Like Vladdy's Vladdy comes out all the time and says he'd sign in Toronto. Now and maybe that's just Vladdy, you know, being Vladdy and and but there is a different feeling when it comes to long-term contracts around those two players. And that could get down to personality too. You know, that could get down to personality as well. But that to me is the overriding story. I understand people are going to get upset because the Jays didn't do anything. Yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. No, no, no. The story out of these winter meetings is what is happening to the value of Bo Bichette. And, and I just don't know, Kevin, I, I listen. I think ownership is committed to this team. You know, I keep telling people this is an ownership group that basically went two years or a year and a half at least without having much in the way of attendance in Toronto because of COVID. They're sinking a ton of money into refurbishing a ballpark. They're signing free agent contracts all the while. So ownership's commitment. People who wonder about ownership's commitment clearly haven't been paying attention. Or you know, just have blinders on, and are just ha- have fallen. They become suckers for this for this narrative. Ownership is committed, but I need to see a little more of a plan when it comes to when it comes to these these players. And I'm almost at the point. I don't know about you. If I'm Bo, unless you're going to give me. Twenty-five million dollars in the first free agent year of my long-term contract. I'm not signing it. I'm just not. Yeah,
1: well, I'm with you a little bit there. I, I, I again, this is a very hard conversation to have because the relationship between the two parties, we're we're on the outside looking down. I mean, we're a little closer to this than most people are when it comes to throwing your hands in the air and and wondering why they haven't even offered. Now, it sounds like maybe they have, maybe they've had conversations, but, you know, maybe one party doesn't want to have the conversation at this point. It'd be interesting going forward. I, I do know again, if you're a Blue Jays fan and you're seeing all these contending teams doing things and taking away a lot of the really, really good players. Jeff, let's be honest. Let let, let. You, you have to be looking at the big teams if you're playing them in the playoffs. The Blue Jays are a good enough team right now today to make the playoffs. Are they a good enough team when push comes to to beat the Guardians, to beat the Yankees, to beat the Rays in the playoffs, to beat, obviously, the Astros are in a whole different world. So we're going to say no to that. But right now today, muscling up, my guy against well, yours, that, is that the case? So I think that's what the Blue the Jays fans is going. Well, you see everybody else doing it. Why isn't this team doing it? That's guess, the argument.
0: I guess, but isn't it? Isn't the pitching going to determine whether or not this team goes in uh, uh, on a playoff run? And, I, and again, you know, Justin Verlander's the only guy out there that that, that really moves the needle for me. Hey, it really does. I like I said, I'd rather have Ross Stripling than he or Gibson. I just would. So.
1: I mean, you still have I, Rodon, you still have Bassett. Bassett's better than you have now in your three yeah. four five I mean, Barrios is going to have to take a giant step forward, let's yeah. be honest. I know you're tooting that no, athleticism, but, 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 but and he's going to turn it around,
0: but he has to. Kevin, like, if they want to make a serious run at it, he has to. But you can't do anything about that. Uh, oh, I, you, again. You, 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 you can't do anything about Jose Barrios right now, and— you're, you have to have faith in the. You really do. You just do. You got no choice if you're a Blue Jay. Boy, fan. if you're if you're Ross, you know what, if you're you know all sitting around,
1: ha- you're seriously having faith in that. So you're going, you're you're. I you have no choice. Basi- basi- well, you're banking on what if? What if he doesn't come back and he's not. He's like he was last year. Then I'm going to make up for that. I may go out and have to overspend for a guy or two guys that I don't want to. And that doesn't allow me to go out and get a Nemo and overpay for that. I mean you're seeing the athletics saying that Nemo can get six for hundred and thirty two. Really? Like you're gonna give that guy and for and oh, for yeah. him to come to the Blue Jays, you'd have to give
0: him seven and a hundred and forty plus that is a
1: ton of money. Dude. That's a like, great
0: that is I, a great point. That's what I was going to say. The other thing we have to keep in mind is there is a premium to coming to the Blue Jays. There it is. It is. It Whether people want to hear it or not. Sucks. it doesn't mean the country it doesn't mean it. there is a premium coming to the Blue Jays when you're a free agent there just is so that, that gets back to you is another year that gets back money.
1: to your point where you know you have some quality stuff at your catching position could you go to the Pirates and maybe talk about a Brian Reynolds or go to the the Twinkies and talk about a Luis Rise like you're talking more about the bigger trade than going out and spending yes. the big time money so you, maybe you could save it to, to you know give it to Bo or to Vladdy or whoever else you want to give it to Manoa like There's ways, but
0: I do think you have to get better. How do you get better? And you're going to have to give up something to get a lot better to beat the top-end teams. The only three guys on the market, free agents, that I would, if I was the Jays, I would realistically look at committing big money to. Again, you're not going to sign Correa, Dansby, Swanson, any of those guys. But the three guys I would focus in on, one would have been Verlander. Verlander signed with the Mets. One would have been Verlander, the other would be Nemo, and the third would be Rodon. Those would be the the, the three guys that would move the needle for me. The three guys that if I could get one of those guys and then trade to fill in my other needs, now I'm ready to go. Let me ask you a question. And and two of those guys are still out there. Let me give you – which one
1: would give you a better chance of winning a World Series, Rodon or Nemo? Rodon. Then that there's where you spend your money again. It's it's you're probably not going to be able to get them both like like you're just not going to no, be able to spend be. that much money to get to get both of them. So you're going to pick one of which one of them will give you a better chance just by watching the playoffs will tell you power pitching who doesn't allow the ball to be put in play gives you a better chance of going deeper in the playoffs and. We all know the George Springer thing, going to right field, keeping him on the field is better for the Blue Jays. But if you can't do it, you gave the dude $150 million to sort of try and figure it out to give himself a chance to stay on the field. It's it's just going to be interesting. And, again, I think if you're a Blue Jays fan and you watch the TV and all the time you're seeing all these other teams getting all these big-time guys and you're doing nuts and frustrating.
0: The Xander Bogarts deal was probably the most surprising deal to come down the pipe at the winter meetings, I would say. But clearly, the story that dominated the news for 48 hours was Aaron Judge's nine-year, $360 million deal with the Yankees, a deal in which it appears that Aaron Judge left money on the table. The San Diego Padres made a late run at him. We know, of course, the San Francisco Giants were in there as well. But that was the big story of the winter meetings. Aaron Judge, nine years, $360 million. It's going to pay him a ton of money when he's 37, 38. We're talking a ton of money to a guy who's, what, 6'8", six, 6'7", six, 270 pounds. Be interesting to see how that body, what that body looks like when he's 36 and 37. Very pleased to be joined by Sweeney Murdy of WFAN. So, Sweeney, how close do you think the Yankees came to losing Aaron Judge this week?
2: You know, it's hard to measure how close, I mean, fairly close. I mean, I mean you know, it, it's hard to measure because what it really came down to was where did he want to play? Because if he really wanted to play to go to San Francisco, then there was nothing the Yankees could have done to stop that. And I think that was their greatest fear, was there was an unknown, because as of last night, you know, the Yankees weren't sure, in, in my estimation, they were not sure that they were going to get a chance to come back and match an offer, that they were going to get a chance. And, and they were prepared to do so, but they didn't know if the player was going to allow them to do that. Look at the Jacob deGrom negotiation with Texas. He got a deal that he wanted, and the, he called the Mets to say, see ya, not, okay, what do you have? Uh, And I think that was the fear that was playing out because you know that there is a close tie and a family tie and, 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 you know, the pull of that. So that's what they were trying to compete with. They weren't competing with the money. They had the money. They gave the money. They were competing with what was, you know, what was Aaron judge's boyhood dream versus what is his adult reality? And, You know, I think if you weigh all that and you look at what Judge has built, the close knit group he has with his teammates, and just what you see going forward for the next nine years, where your best chances are to win and what your legacy looks like, then that's what swayed him into this decision.
1: Sweeney, okay, I, I hear people say that there's a connection between if you sign Brian Cashman to a four-year deal, what the Mets are doing, uh, Hal Steinbrenner, if he doesn't sign Judge, you know, he can't walk in his own stadium, he's going to be booed out of there. Clean this up for me. It, there's nothing to that, right? It's the big bad Yankees and they're dropping a bunch of money on a guy and that's why Judge is back.
2: Listen, i don't think it matters what how what the reaction to Hal Steinbrenner is the Yankees have't won a World Series since two thousand and nine and for the you know for the rest of us you know, those those are like dog years for Yankee fans right okay that's a long time um you know listen, my kids are nine and eleven and they've never seen the Yankees win a World Series. I mean where will it end um i I think the idea though. Is, I, I, I don't know. I was searching for a line, and I forgot what we were talking about. What did you ask me?
1: <laughs> oh, about the, the connection between Cashman, you give him a four-year deal, what the Mets are doing, and how the fans feel about Hal.
2: Yeah, listen, They. Th- the bottom line, I think, for the Yankees is that there is no version of the 2023 Yankees that is better without Aaron Judge. So when you think about, how, and they have come close. And I think this is part of what goes in the judges thinking, too, how they've come, they've been close the last few years. They haven't been as good as the Astros. And they got wiped out in the playoffs. But the margin isn't vast. It's still relatively small. And to put yourself over the top, there is no version of this team that is better than it's been if Aaron Judge isn't part of it. And I think that's what it comes down to. Like fans, fans are. I don't think any. I don't think fans would be satisfied with any version of this team if they didn't bring back Aaron Judge. Now it's not going to stop here if they don't do anything. Like when Carlos Radon signs somewhere else and it's not the Yankees, you'll hear the screams. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and when other moves are made and the Yankees are on the sidelines, you'll you'll hear how local they are. But you know, it kind of had to start with Judge and and kind of jump off from there.
0: This is a purely hypothetical question, but now that the the dollar figures are out there, and it's like it's forty million a year, uh, over nine years, and we know that San Diego, we're led to believe San Diego offered ten, ten years at uh, at roughly the same, the the same sort of in the in the neighborhood. So I'm going to apologize for asking this question, but had the Yankees' initial offer to Aaron Judge been a little Closer to this than what it was. Do you think he would have signed before the start of last season? In other words, do you think that he had a dollar? He and his people had a dollar figure in their mind, or do you think it just got to the point where you know what? Um, I've earned the right to be a free agent. Let's explore the market. You know, I'm, I'm probably and especially as the season went on, I don't think his value decreased. Like, do you think there that there was a route to to getting him signed earlier?
2: Um. Maybe if they had approached this number, but he wasn't worth this number before the season started. Good you know point. what I mean? Yep. yep. Like he was they offered him two hundred and thirteen over seven years, which in addition to this year's salary is you know, is roughly two hundred and thirty over eight years. And that's taking into account I remember during the Robinson Cano negotiations, they offered they stopped at seven one seventy five. And there are part of their argument was he had not achieved things that took him past that number and um, put him in a different category. Uh, Aaron judge hadn't either. Um, His, he had a good year last year in 2021, but he had struggled to stay healthy in the two to three years before that. When the Yankees made their offer in the spring, he wasn't a free agent yet. There was no right. competition. They we were under no obligation to offer him an open market contract. No, nobody ever does that. No teams ever give you a free agent contract before you're a free agent. You know they lock you up to deals that is beneficial to the team, assuming good health and you know relative production from what you're expecting. Um, if I, I think the better question is. If the Yankees had come up to, say, I don't know, 280, would that number have gotten it done? Hmm. That's a far cry from 360. Yeah, but I feel like he made – I feel like, like if you think about just the idea that what if he hit 35 home runs this year, okay, and stayed healthy, He's, and then becomes a free agent. He's already increased 213 because now there's competition. So, you know, 230, 240, 250, roughly. Hmm. He made himself $100 million with the season that he just had. And this is my just like stupid math, you know, rough guess evaluation, right? But it, it kind of makes sense if you think about it. The season he had got him the extra $100 million because an average season probably gets him – in the the range that we are just talking about, I don't think they could have, I, I don't think they should have done anything more beyond that because he wasn't this player when the season started.
1: So, Andy, what do you think about what he thinks of his legacy and the Hall of Fame? You know, you pick the, between the three teams, San Francisco, wind blows right to left. We all know that swing that he has, right? It's geared up to go right center, that little short porch and right in Yankee Stadium. San Diego, those are 10 o'clock games. <laughs> you know, not a ton of people watch that. Now, they're better, and you're going to watch a little bit more of it. But the legacy part of it for me, now, money aside, you know, obviously he was thinking about the money. But when you think about, you know, statues in the outfield and having a chance of being a hall of famer is he one of those guys that you think actually thinks of that to where he might want to end up when it comes to picking between the three teams
2: you know the 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 10 o'clock games doesn't bother me so much like i mean ken griffey jr hit almost 400 home runs with the seattle mariners right Yeah, like he was the biggest star in the game when he was playing at 10 o'clock at night and not all the games were on tv and you know people didn't really see him all that much uh and you didn't have you, know, you couldn't call up his highlights on Twitter. You had to watch it on, on SportsCenter. <laughs> um, I, I, think, I think this is what – I don't think he thinks about it all the time. I don't think it drives what he wants. But like he had a decision to make as what he wants his legacy to be. And part of it, like he's talked about wanting to win championships. Okay? Mm-hmm. Since his rookie year in 2017, the Yankees have been in the playoffs every year. The Giants have been in the playoffs once. In the wild card era, the Giants have been to the playoffs in back-to-back years once. If he wants to think about the idea of winning championships, the thought had to have crossed his mind that there's probably going to be a year in the next couple, if he's playing for the Giants, that he's at home after they just went, you know, 86 and 76 or something. And he's watching the Yankees in the playoffs, right? Because the Yankees still become the Yankees. I, you know, they can't replace him, but they still, you know, they still do what they do, and they they come out and become the Yankees. Um, I, I think that part probably goes through his mind a little bit. And when you think about okay, end game after nine years, five stayed healthy. I've, I, and if I've won even one championship, you know. This is where legacy is. Like that's kind of like my earlier point. He had to decide between childhood dream and adult legacy. Okay, mm-hmm. he's he's already halfway to establishing his adult legacy. So, I, I think that I think that plays in, but I, I don't think that's a I don't think he's signing that contract, Kevin, and saying, "Here we go. This is what's getting me to the Hall of Fame." Like yeah. I I don't, I don't think that that's how. I mean, you know, that's not how a player thinks. Sure. What, uh, what's the next
0: move for the Yankees? Uh, or next moves, I should say.
2: Well, they still have a lot of work to do because, I mean, they're still not better than they were. Uh, keep in mind that Houston lost Justin Berlander, so they're not as good as they were. That, that certainly helps. Um, I still believe – I know that they have, they have had some discussion with and about Carlos Rodone. Um, I, I think they're best served by staying in that discussion and and making a play there if you look at the Yankees rotation and they've done a remarkable job the last two years they they've pitched really well okay Um, near the top of the league in all the categories for the last two years but if you think about moving forward beyond Garrett Cole next season you have Nestor Cortez who had a fabulous season right but you know I touch people around the game, and, and like the idea of repeating that or improving upon that is, is hard to do. Uh, the, the durability that he's going to have to call on, uh, and good fortune with health. he already had some issues with a groin that cost him you know, playoff time and time at the end of the regular season. those are things that you know, you have to consider. Uh, Luis Severino coming back, who's had you know numerous struggles with durability injury hopefully back healthy, but, again, part of the story. Uh, Frankie Montaz did not ace his, you know, his first impression, job interview. So you have some question marks back there. They traded away a lot of their young pitching depth the last couple of years, guys that have already touched the majors. Well, pitching is still a thing, but I don't think it should be about the back end. I, I, I really think that they have to go all in on the front end here. And and Radon, I think, makes a ton of sense if um, if they're willing to keep pursuing that.
1: Sweetie, last one before we let you go. Uh, when do the Yankees make Aaron Judge the captain of the New York Yankees?
2: You know, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they just did, probably, yep. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of laughed at the idea of, you know, <laughs> someone said, can you offer him the captaincy? Like, listen, you know, I don't think you could go to him and say, Here's three hundred and ten million and the (laughs) C. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like it's like no no. give me the fifty mil and we'll talk about the C. Right. That's (laughs) I I I think you've kind of people were wondering why he wasn't already well because he wasn't signed he was you know he was heading to free agency I mean mean, only an idiot names a guy captain who can walk away in free agency right Mm -hmm. Um, so I I don't think that you know it it feels like formality for a conclusion and, and whether or not they actually name him, I mean, you've, you've just done it, right? Mm -hmm. He's been the face of your team. He is the clubhouse leader. You just signed him for nine years. There is nobody signed longer than Aaron judge. I mean, so whether you want to give it a title or not, you, you basically did it on it.
0: Sweeney, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much, my friend.
2: Great stuff. Thank you. All right, fellas. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for letting me ramble as always. Even though
0: the Blue Jays didn't make a deal at the winter meetings, there was a lot of talk with agents, a lot of talk with teams, and in some cases, in some cases, one-on-one discussions with players. That's what the winter meetings is all about. It's an opportunity for everybody to get together in one area an opportunity for a lot of organic discussion in addition to planned discussions. Literally everybody who was there for the team, general manager, assistant general manager, scouting guys, coaches, minor league guys split up. They're given responsibilities, you know. You'll talk to this team, this group will go here, this group will go here. There's a lot of that that goes on. There's a plan. Teams plan for the winter meetings. Teams have logistical setups for the winter meetings. The manager always plays a significant role in that because as much as the general manager and the president are the guys that hand out the money, the manager is generally the guy the pitcher pitcher or player is going to see when they come into the clubhouse every day. It is the first winter meetings for John Schneider, the Blue Jays' manager, and we're very pleased that John Schneider joins. John, it's your first winter meetings as
3: a major league manager.
0: Walk me through your role with the Blue Jays at these winter meetings
3: um you know it's being in touch with the front office it's um meeting with a few people you're visiting with um agents you're doing some media stuff you're kind of connecting with people you haven't seen in a couple months and um enjoying the weather in san diego so i think kind of just being part of the process and part of the plan with our group and um you know doing a whole lot of learning as we go
1: John, when you're driving away or flying away from San Diego, tell me what your definition of a good winter meetings would be.
3: You know, that I think you you put everything into place before, you know, everyone kind of arrives in one spot. And then, you know, you want to continue to make steps toward what your goals are. You know, I think everyone kind of has the assumption that the off season is done when everyone leaves San Diego and it's just getting started. So there's obviously been – you know, big names and a lot of moves, but I think a good winter meetings for the Toronto Blue Jays is, you know, additions, if there are additions, that they're going to make us better or continuing to move forward with the plans that we have, um, you know, with everyone being in one spot. So those those plans do come to fruition soon.
0: John, when you talk to uh, players, when you talk to free agents in particular, what questions do they have about Toronto? What questions do they have about the Blue Jays? And And, and, and what do you... What do you think the general perception of the Toronto Blue Jays is, you know, amongst sort of the wider player group?
3: You know, they don't have too many questions. They, they see us from afar. I think they get caught up in, you know, the city itself, and they have questions about that and going over the border, um, you know, and how that's going to be for their family. But they're, they're interested in kind of our overall vision. They're interested in the, the types of you know, people that are in the clubhouse and, the personalities on the team, they're interested, you know, about their role or possibly what their role might be. Um, but I think kind of our our play, you know, speaks for itself. And I think that our city kind of speaks for itself. And a lot of the guys have been there as visitors. And um, it's just kind of just asking a few, you know, questions to kind of tidy up any loose ends, really.
1: Okay, I got to ask Don Mattingly. I know you probably had a little hand in, in you know, him coming here with the Blue Jays. I got to get your first thoughts, right? When when Ross came to you and said, I, I'm assuming this is the way it was started of, you know, we're thinking about bringing Donnie baseball here. Tell me your thoughts. Were you happy, you know, and what do you think Don can bring to the Blue Jays?
3: Yeah, I mean, this this has been going on for a while. You know, it was, you know, all the way back to when I was kind of going through the process of getting the job and, you know, you start to, you know, wander through names and it's a, it's a really wide net. You narrow it down and. Um, you know having those conversations go from introductory ones to a little bit more in depth with Donnie uh, were really cool and it was um, a very thorough process it was conversations with the front office it was conversations with me and what I took from it was how for one how humble of a guy he is for going through what he's been through as a player as a manager um, how open-minded he is it's um, really kind of a win-win for me the staff and the players so you know as as a group, I think our staff has been together for a long time, and I think this adds a different dynamic and another voice and a lot of experience, obviously, and a lot of success um to our staff and our players are looking forward to to him you know being part of it and you know having his hand in a lot of different things. I'm looking forward to leaning on him for a few things, and it's um you know you can't say enough about the way he's coming into it you know he's he's said numerous times to me and publicly he wants to kind of support me, but I think it's, um, you know, it's kind of a, a collective effort to where he's going to be, you know, he's going to have his hands in, in a lot of different things, not just traditionally, you know, bench coach role, printing out the line of card and and running spring training. So it's, um, it was a unique opportunity for us to kind of cross paths and, um, have him be available. And then once we got the conversations going, it was a really good fit.
0: John, how do you ensure, because, because look, his, his reputation as a hitter is, you know, without, without parallel in, 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 some, in, in some ways. How do you ensure that there's no stepping on toes when it comes to other coaches or that the, you know, the path of communication for players is, is clear, especially when it comes to, to working on their hitting?
3: Yeah, for one, he's a he's a elite communicator, Donnie. You know, it's he's he's very aware of, you know, how he is viewed around the industry and how he's gonna be viewed in our clubhouse. So, um having conversations with our hitting coach group and knowing that I mean that was one of the first things we talked about and how he was aware of not wanting to be, you know, overstepping his boundaries by any means and, and really if he is gonna deliver a message, having it be the same message. So I think him just offering another voice and you know, he's got a He's got a very, very um, unique ability to kind of see things in real time um, from a hitting perspective, which is great. So it's, um, you know, it's just going to be constant communication. You know, it's um, the other guys, when you're talking about G and Hudge and Hunter, they're, they're just as excited to have a guy like him, too. So, you know, everyone's going to be kind of contributing and pulling in the same direction.
1: John, whenever I heard Teoscar Hernandez got traded, it wasn't a shock to me. But I started thinking, how are you going to make up for it? Now, I'd be shocked if, if Ross doesn't go out and maybe get a center fielder and and you move George Springer to right field. That'd be a perfect scenario. But if you don't, the first guy for me that came to mind was Loris Gurriel Jr. And I was thinking about you and and then Donnie Baseball coming. And, you know, you look at Lourdes. He hit 21 home runs uh, a couple of years ago. He hit five last year. You know, you take away the 25 and 80 from Teoscar, and if you don't go out, and get some guys who can, you know, hit 25 and 80. Lourdes sort of seems like that guy that can make up for it. Is there something that you saw? Is there something that you guys have said, you know, off season, go work on this? And I know the ball away sort of, you know, he was trying to punch that thing to right instead of drive that thing to right. Is there an, an approach that he may change to gain a little bit more power and get back to that 20 home run guy?
3: Yeah, I mean I think for one it's just healthy, right? He had the handmade surgery and and I think that was playing a part in what what was going on for a little bit of the – not a little bit but for a decent part of the season with Lourdes and I think over the last 3 years or so you look at what his what his norm is and you know it became a lot more contact oriented and a lot less power. So hopefully being healthy I think is the biggest thing. And then you know he's he's a talented hitter bat the ball. You know, he always he's always been able to hit and I think that when we saw him go from, you know, a little bit of a chase guy last year to really come in in the strike zone a lot better last year and carrying that into this year, that's going to open up more opportunities for him to get in leverage counts and then then take a chance and and let it go um, when he needs to. So a little bit of an approach thing from that standpoint where he's learning that he is going to be in in better hitting counts um, because of his approach than just being fully healthy, man. I think if if those two things line up, you know, you're looking at, you know, the typical production he's had, you know, with the exception of last year.
0: John, is he expected to be good to go for spring training?
3: Yeah, he should be ready to roll. No okay.
0: concerns there. Uh, another guy that we've been keeping our eye on a little bit in the winter, in the off season, I should say, is Nate Pearson. What are your reports on Nate Pearson uh, from Winter Ball? And, and how do you see... How do you see Nate factoring into things? I, I guess a lot will depend, won't it, in, on what the offseason brings in terms of in terms of moves?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, reports are really good, obviously. The fact that he, he went down to the DR and pitch and was healthy and um, and had the results he did. Now I know that it's early on in the season down there and there aren't you know as many established hitters as there may be later in the wintertime down there. But the fact that he was taking the ball, throwing strikes, Velo was there, stuff was there, health was good those are all encouraging signs. And I think going forward, you know, you see where you kind of land was the roster unfolds throughout the rest of the off season. And you see in spring training, how he has kind of continued to, to build up to hopefully be full strength for the season. You know, we're talking about, you know, a guy that we, you know, just a couple of years ago, we're, we're talking about, you know, an elite prospect and he's battled through some stuff. And, you know, as long as the stuff is there, you know, Nate's Nate's definitely ready to be a major league pitcher and contribute in any way. So, if he's healthy and um, and doing his thing, man, it's going to be a really really nice thing to see in spring training.
1: John, how much thought have you put into the rule changes making up for not having the 25 home run guy in right field? Now, obviously, again, they stay still time. You could go out and get those guys. But right now, you don't have that. Is, you know, the rule changes the bigger bases, not being able to throw over a couple times, to not having the shift. Now, the shift doesn't bother the Blue Jays because mainly that shift is for the big left-handed hitter, right? Now, again, obviously, you could go out and get one of those. But right now, you don't have it. Have you been sitting around? I know you're a smart guy and you think ahead of these kind of things. <laughs> You know, is it gonna add some challenges, make it a little easier for you to make up for some lack of maybe some power in the middle of the order by having some bigger bases, putting guys in motion, those kind of things?
3: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm you guys have seen the kind of baseball I like to play, and we're gonna be aggressive on the bases, and I think it just really, you know, elite base dealers are elite base dealers no matter what. And, you know, I think that'll that'll tick up the guys that can run. You, know, you look at guys like Chappie, even what Vladdy did, um, Lordis is another guy, George is a guy. You look at um, around our roster, we have good base runners, and I think that's going to turn into more base stealing for sure. You know, Whit Merrifield has been elite over the course of his career. You know, Kevin Biggio has been really well, you know, done really well with it too. And I think it's when you pick up some tendencies and you kind of know that, okay, this guy is or is not going to throw, um, let's force the issue a little bit here. We'll definitely look into doing more of that. Um, there's definitely more ways to score than just a home run. That's going to be a, a, a point of emphasis, I think, once we hit camp.
0: John, has the organization done a, a, a deep enough dive into the impact of the, you know, the the shift limitations that are going to be in place to figure out whether or not it's going to help or hurt, you know, somebody like Beau Bichette, for example?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I think each team is going to be creative with it, right? Whether we're talking about an offensive player, and you know, you, I know you look at, you know, Kevin Biggio, he's probably had a lot, you know, more heads taken away than anyone, you know, in the last couple of years on our team, and then on the flip side. You know, you have to try to utilize everyone's strengths when you're playing defense. And you know, I think you know, underrated in this whole thing, you know, around the league is you look at who's standing at third base for us at Matt Chapman and what that's going to do for you know for both. So with every team having two guys on each side of second base and one of them for us every night is Matt Chapman. We're going to take that. Uh, you know, we're going to we're going to like that every single night. So it's um, putting guys in spots where, again, where we think the ball's going to go. And then putting guys in spots to where you know we can really play to their strengths. So, we're you know we we're, we're grinding at it every day, just like everybody is. And um, you know it's gonna it's gonna be exciting to see where some teams land with it. And we're we're confident with where we are with it right now. The,
1: the big talk a lot of the times, as you well know, is Bo Bichette playing defense. And I was standing around the batting cage one time when Louis Rivera was flipping balls in the air and hitting Bo ground balls, which he did, did a, a lot every single day. And I was asking about the shift, the, the eliminating the shift and, and making, you know, maybe freeing up Bo a little bit. Will that help him? And he seemed to think it will, right? The shift is I got my spot. I'll go here. And I'm sort of limited on how far I can go. You've known Bo more than anybody. Will it just be easy enough to just say, Bo, go out there and catch it, right? You're, there's no limitations. If you can get it, get it. Is Will that help Bo be a better defender in your mind?
3: In my mind, yeah. I think it's going to help a lot of people, you know, not just him. But it's, um, you know, the shift is tricky because it's tough to replicate or practice some of those tweener plays where, yep. you know, guys are guys are playing kind of close to one another and the ball's hit hard. And it's, you know, the shift is a tricky thing. and was a tricky thing. And you guys saw with us over the course of the year and a lot of teams where, You know, a lot of times it it helps you, and sometimes you know you're you're throwing something in the dugout because it's a routine ground ball that got that got through and someone wasn't there. So it's um, I think with Bo and I think with a lot of people around the league, man, as as long as they're you know using their athleticism and we're putting them in the in the proper spots, it is going to free them up. You know, you don't have to worry about do I have someone to my left, right on top of me, you know, am I covering this bag on a ball over here with the runner at first and a left-handed shift? Where am I going here? It's like. You're an athlete, go out there, get what you can get. There's going to be, I think, more balls hit down the line that are going to happen um, with third baseman's probably playing a little bit farther off the bag. And it's how to kind of combat that with where you're playing left fielder, you know, a little bit. So with an athlete like Bo and a third baseman like Chappie, you know, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a good thing for us.
0: Last question for us before he lets you go. When you're at the winter meetings and your team is talking to other teams or they're talking to free agents, you know, you're the guy who is sort of going to be most immediately impacted by any of these decisions that are made. Your job's going to be either made easier or it could be made a little more <laughs> difficult. Do you have to make sure, John, that you don't go to bed on a Monday night thinking, God, I hope we get this guy? You know, we hmm. it, it sounds like we're close and and – you have to guard against maybe being disappointed because i would think that would be almost a human uh, almost a human reaction if you go to bed thinking we might get this guy you wake up the next morning and go guess what he, he's gone someplace else
3: yeah i think you have to really temper your expectations and we're in the spot where you know right now you know if we if spring training started tomorrow we're a really good team and when you have everyone in the industry in one spot it does go quick and it, there's rumors flying and there's you know, a lot of moving pieces. So, you know, you kind of have to temper your expectations and there's, there's a lot of talk um, a lot of hours of the days out here. So it's nothing's official until it's official. Um, but yeah, you have to be, you have to be cognizant of knowing that, you know, things may or may not happen. And if they don't, we still on paper right now um, have one of the best teams in the league. So, you know, I think it makes it that much easier. No, we do have.
0: John, we really appreciate you doing this, man. Thanks so much. Uh, Enjoy San Diego. Enjoy the holiday season and travel safely.
3: Thanks, buddy. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, guys. Well, we haven't done this for a while
0: for a variety of reasons, but uh, I threw out on Twitter that we would be taking questions for Kevin Barker on uh, this edition of the podcast. And as always, you can reach us via DM. My Twitter handle is SN Jeff Blair. DMs are open. Kevin, we got a ton of questions. <laughs> I, 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 I cannot I can't put it any other way. I um, got like fifty questions, fifty one DMs since I tweeted out this. So I've 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 gone through and, and compiled what I think are kind of a representative sample of questions and i want to get that. Uh, Travis Henry long-time listener uh, from Saskatoon. Did the Blue Jays move Teoscar too fast? Given all the payroll room they have, could they have maybe waited until they acquired the outfielder they wanted to part with and then move Teoscar so you don't have to look desperate and pay something crazy or make a bad trade to fill the hole they have now? As it is right now, I don't think the Blue Jays would be happy with their starting outfield. Like, We don't know how how healthy Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is going to be. Handmaid injury is a tricky thing. Right now, George Springer is the only outfielder that I think you'd be like. I don't want Whit Merrifield starting. Whit Merrifield is the bench guy. Right now, George Springer is the only guy they have. So, Kevin, that's Travis's question.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, look, I, I think that's more relationship-driven. I, I don't think it has anything to do with contract, and they they can't eat it. I just think the two sides didn't like each other. I mean, there's no other way, Jeff, that I can say that. Like, I, uh, all information and everything that I was pointing towards, uh, you know, one side, when it come push to shove, wasn't going to give the other side the money that he thought he deserved, and as soon as they could – part ways they were going to do it. And I think this is what that it was all about. I don't think it had anything to do with, you know, you, you're you worrying about who's going to play right field after you get rid of Teoscar. You're worrying about the 25 homers. I don't think that's what it was about. I just think it was two sides that weren't on the same page and
0: one side's going a different direction. And, and here's the other thing. I mean, I think you have to look at it a different way, Travis. If you're the Blue Jays and you are shopping for a free agent outfielder because you know that your best chance of getting that left-handed bat is through an outfielder. When you approach an agent or player, it's a tough sell saying, hey, we want to sign you. I know we still have a guy in right field, or I know we still have Teoscar Hernandez, but don't worry, we're going to trade him. Mm -hmm. That's a tough sell to a free agent. Nobody wants to go someplace where they're going to be sharing a job or riding the bench. As well, let's just say the Jays had gone out and acquired, I don't know, pick a name. Let's say they'd gone out and signed Brandon Nemo. Now everybody in baseball knows you're trading Teoscar Hernandez a year away from free agency. You're not even getting Eric Swanson in that case. You're just not because everybody's looking at the Blue Jays and going, they're screwed. They got to get rid of this guy. I'm not, you know, we'll, we'll low ball. And so I think you have to look at it a little differently. You have to create that opening to sell yourself to a free agent and to maximize the value you're getting in return.
1: And, and also, Travis, we, we me and Jeff, and Jeff especially, has been talking about George Springer moving to right field. This just makes that sale easier. Like now you can go to the party of, of George Springer and go, hey, there's nobody over there. Yep. You know, we would love to have you over there so you can play more. The more you play, our team's going to be much better, and we'll go way deeper exactly what the goal is. So I just think it's an easier sale.
0: This is from Tom Shep. What is a reasonable and valuable signing the Blue Jays can make for outfielders, starting pitchers to address weaknesses in the team? Not pie-in-the-sky suggestions, but realistic ones. Also, what are the chances of signing Stripling?
1: I'll, I would say I'll, none I'll, to
0: the Stripling. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I will. As much as I wouldn't mind having him back, Tom, <laughs> I, I think I think Kevin's right. Um, I, I think Ross will probably Ross will end up. I mean, you have heard a lot of teams in on him: the Mets, the Orioles. Um, I w- I wouldn't rule out the Dodgers, frankly, or a team. Me like either. That. I-, I I just wouldn't. The Angels. There are a lot of teams that I think Ross yeah. uh could end up playing for. Look, you are right though. You know, we've talked about players the Jays realistically had a chance at getting. To me, they're all still out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Brandon Nemo. Ooh. I think Michael Conforto. Mm-hmm. I think Michael Brantley. Yeah. And. Chris Bassett, maybe there there are still players out there the Jays can get as free agents. And frankly, we don't know what the trade market is. I guarantee you, right now, there is a trade Ross Atkins could make today. And we got no clue about it. Like mm-hmm. it's not, uh, you never know everything that a team is doing. So I think you have to keep that in mind. But those are the names that that jump out, that jump out to me. And you know, you also have to see what happens once players come off the boards. We hear the Chicago White Sox are interested in moving one of their relievers. I would you take a look at Liam Hendricks? Fourteen million this year, sorry, fifteen million this year, fourteen million next year that vests if he's traded. I mean, I might. We know that Liam Hendricks wanted to pitch here and that Toronto was one of his finalists, along with the White Sox. So there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things going on.
1: Two-inning closer would be great. There's also Kevin Kiermaier, a healthy Kevin Kiermaier. You can fill in. He's an elite defender. Uh, Nathan Navaldi, which you've been tooting at. I mean, you know, if the velocity ticks up a little, I he'd be your Nathan good. He'd guy. be your good fourth guy. I mean, he, he throws like he hates you, which is a great and thing. He, you want to be an intimidator in the American League East? What better place to come than the Blue Jays? That there is names you can fill in.
0: I just and the dude pitched out of the bullpen in the postseason.
1: Nathan Navaldi. Can can you explain to me why when you mention Nemo's name I cringe? Well, can you can you explain that to me, Jeff? Because I, I th- do.
0: Because I don't think. Because because I don't think he's the type of guy that at first glance you want to give seven or eight years to, which I think it'll probably take six or seven years. I don't know about eight years. Uh, defensively, you can do better. Yep. Uh, but Would he lead off for the Blue Jays? I don't think so. I think he'd be. Would he hit second? Guy.
1: Yeah. He's taking Maybe. it bad away from Bo. Or Vladdy late there in the game. It's, it's I mean,
0: are you giving a guy a seven-year deal at 140-ish to hit eighth point. or ninth? I, I, Jeff. I, I mean, all these things have to. All these things have to uh, factor in. Yeah. Uh, Aiden P. I know I'm a broken record in this question, but it seems more pressing than before. It sure does, Aiden. Likelihood of Bo and Vlad being extended. <sighs> Here I'll, I'll uh, ask it a different way. Which one do you think they will sign first? Kevin, I, I, I hate to be in, you know, I hate to be in the, I I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. Um, I have no idea. Can I say I want to see, I, I mean, I, I shouldn't go down this road. I was going to say, can I, can I say, I want to see how Vladdy shows up in spring training, what he looks like. What do you mean by that, Jeff? I I just, you know, I just want to know. I want to know. Is, is he, is he, is he going to be in shape? Um, is he taking it serious? I think he's taking it seriously, but but is he going to be in I, mean, I That's a tough question for me. I, I We've had this discussion all along. If you ask me, I look at those two bodies, like physical bodies, I'd rather invest my money in Bo. But we know that Bo has issues defensively. The one thing I will say about both of those guys, they play every day. They do. <laughs> they play every day. So... I, I honestly don't know. I I I hate to say that, but I truly do not have any idea. I truly do not have any idea which way I would go. Uh, Rattan, with the free agent market taking shape, left-handed hitting becomes more of a priority. Nemo, Benintendi, Reynolds, et cetera. Who or what is the most likely outcome? Thanks. Uh, Rattan, I forgot about Andrew Benintendi. Uh, He's a guy that we know the Jays had some interest in, went to the Yankees at the trade deadline. I still think the Yankees are probably going to end up re-signing Andrew Benintendi. I don't think they're done just because they got Aaron Judge, Brandon Nemo we've talked about. Brian Reynolds is an interesting case. You've got some years of control. He's another guy who profiles perfectly for the Blue Jays. Mm -hmm. There's a familiarity between the Jays' front office and the Pirates' front office. Uh, Based on the early indications, you know, first of all, the Pirates don't have to trade him. Just because he wants to be traded doesn't mean jack squat. The Pirates are under no obligation to trade him. But based on the early indications, what the Pirates are asking for initially, you would have to be prepared to move Moreno and Aurelvis Martinez probably to get this guy. Would you do it? I would move Kirk and a Martinez to get him. Well, again, I don't want gets, to move. This gets this gets. Back I don't want to, to move of, Ricky Tiedemans. Okay, I, I, if, I would think of anybody else but him.
1: Okay, if you get rid of your cleanup hitter and your five hole hitter, how do you fill in the blanks? Yeah. I mean, if you get rid of Kirk and Teoscar, holy mo- moly! I mean, your pitching staff was. Uh, Last year as it is. I mean, now all of a sudden you're putting so much pressure on them to keep the other team from scoring three or four runs a game, Jeff. I I just don't know now
0: that you can afford to do that. You're supposed to. But, boy, they're good questions. questions. <laughs> Create more questions. Oh, well, they they they're really good are. Questions. we got a couple more I want to get them very quickly. Cheryl Fullert. and Cheryl, as always, thank you very much for the kind words, and we hope that uh, you're keeping well. Um looking forward to new podcast. Thank you. Uh, although uh, Swanson is a nice addition to the pen with Teo Strippi- Stripling, Bradley, and Tapia gone. They're not as good as they were when the season ended. Lots of time left. But do you have any sense of why they seem to come up short in any player they went after in San Diego? Even some of the potential trading partners looked elsewhere. Try to stay optimistic, but this was a tough week. Stay well. Thanks again, Cheryl. I always throw this out. We don't know. We got good reporters. like Whatever Ben or Shy. Are writing, I have a pretty good idea who their sources are, mm-hmm. and when they say that the Jays were talking to an agent or in and this guy, you can take it to the bank. You can, and I would say that even if we, even if our paychecks didn't come from the same place, I just I, trust me. I know who they talk to. They're not pulling this out of their ass like some people are. So, wait, wait. but having well, said that, we don't know entirely what is on the table in terms of a trade. And we don't really know how seriously the Jays went after different, different free agents.
1: Yeah, and I think it gets back to that thing it takes two to tango. You, you got, the players got to want to come here. Like, you can throw the extra year, you can throw the extra money. Oh, yeah. The player, the family has to want to come here. I know Canadians don't want to hear that. It's a fact. Like, I've talked to enough players, I've talked to enough agents, that that's the thing is, you know, you'd rather sometimes take a little little less money and go to that place than come here. And I think that's what the Blue Jays as an organization are fighting. Do you really want to pay the extra year for a guy that you really Mm -hmm. didn't want to pay that to begin with? What the teams in the United States are paying. So there's a fine balance there. That's why it's... A lot, a lot of the times, frustrating to watch all these other teams making all these big time moves, and the Blue Jays are eh.
0: You know, I think the Jays look at it this way: the, the Jays, the Jays think they've got a three or four year window here. Like, all you have to do is look at their contracts. Look at Jose Barrios's opt out. Like there's a three or four year window here. That's what the Jays are working on. And it's interesting if they were to resign sign or Bo or both of them, all of a sudden that window's extended by another year, another two years. So there's, look, this I, is a, this is a. This is an interesting time for this organization. This it, is it kind is, of the rubber meeting the road time.
1: It is, but on the flip side of it, you've got to remember how they left the season last year. I mean, they got beat yep. bad. Did they get beat bad? Yeah, we could say yeah. that. They got that beat was bad in two games at home. Yeah, I mean, if I'm the organization, yeah, I'm one Ross. Of the,
0: I didn't like that. I'm going to go that out That was and one it. of the worst losses in, in club history. No uh, question. You can't put it any other way. No question. It was dispiriting. It was gut-wrenching. Uh, in some ways, It was embarrassing. It was an awful, awful last taste to leave in, the and the only way
1: fans. you make fans forget about that is you got to go out and do something
0: <laughs> last question, Anthony Belisi, are you confident that Shapiro and Atkins have the know how and ability to make a team elite and a realistic world Series contender? There is this narrative out there that I don't understand that Ross Atkins is too cautious that the front office is too careful. First of all, they are a process-driven front office. They do need to have a meeting to figure out whether it's Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. I mean, they do. <laughs> they, they they just do. Um, but having said that, look at the contracts they've given out that haven't worked. Like, you say Kikuchi. Yeah. You, Hyunjin Ryu, even some of the, the lesser ones. Tanner Roark I mean, and all these guys. What, what the the other Ryu guys? thing Jeez, worked out. Would... Yeah, worked but out. what I'm saying is this front office is not afraid. I, I would suggest that sometimes this front office takes bad gambles <laughs> as opposed to being too conservative. See, I read, that, I read that
1: text when you were reading it as, why aren't the Blue Jays all in? Like, when is that going to happen? Like, if there's a big time, I'm paying for it. I don't care what it costs. I'm, I'm going. Like, these other teams are paying. They're all in. Like, a lot of these teams. And how do the Blue Jays consistently right now today compete against those teams when it matters the most? The Jays are good enough to make the playoffs, Jeff. They are. They're going to make it. Expanded playoffs are going to make it. But once playoffs comes, do you think they can match up against those teams that spend all the money? No. And I think that's the frustration with the down. fans is, can you push all your chips in and go, okay, we got the surrounding pieces here. Now you just finalize it, and now we go. Here it is.
0: Yeah, I um, I wonder if signing Bo or Vladdy to a long-term contract wouldn't put some of this discussion to bed.
1: I'll bet you if you did that's that and what signed Carlos Rodon... On top of it. Yeah. Yeah. That would do it.
0: Yeah. Um, it's like
1: the Yankees went out and signed and gave Judge all that money. Are they a different team than they were last year? Nope.
0: Look, the the Jays not, have. Yeah. I, I look at some of their. Somebody made this point the other day. I look at some of the Jays' free agent signings of the past in light of what happened this year. That George Springer contract looks really good right now. You know, does. another contract that looks really good right now? Kevin Gossman's contract looks <laughs> really good, right? What do you think Absolutely. Kevin Gossman would get in the market? More than year. he got, so oh god, much mm-hmm. more than he got. So no, I, I I do believe that the money is there from ownership. I think there will be more money in the future once the ballpark starts to generate more revenue. Um, but I, this narrative that the Jays are too cautious and Mark Shapiro is more interested in refurbishing the stadium than he is building a team, I I just I I, I just don't see that. I do think that the Jays, the Jays have a value attached to a player and they stick to it. Like, I know that one of the issues when they were talking to Liam Hendricks was Liam Hendricks and his people valued Liam Hendricks differently than the Jays did. They just did. And there was no movement. There was no movement towards getting a deal done. Uh, but that's different than saying that they don't have the vision or that they're not, you know, that, that that they're not equipped to go all in and, and really take and really take that final step. I, 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 just think there's a lot that they are dealing with right now, and you know, Bo, Vladdy, and Manoa, you've, you know, those are those have got to be those got to be concerns right now. You, you've you've got in your mind, you have to have an idea. I think how do I keep those three together for as long as possible. I really do. Hey, listen, great questions. We touched on Tremendous. a lot of topics. We touched on a lot of concerns. I always remind people this. Spring training doesn't roll around until February. Just because the winter meetings are done doesn't mean that there won't be deals made afterwards. The history of this team suggests there will be deals made afterwards. Nonetheless, though, the fact of the matter is, as the winter meetings wraps up and everybody leaves San Diego one point five billion dollars worth Oof. of free agent contracts was given out to a whole bunch of guys who are gonna be making a ton of money in their in their thirties, in their late thirties. And the Jays well to put it politely, the Jays have kept their powder dry. And I had a I had a text exchange with Sweeney Murdy uh this morning before we, we taped this part of the podcast, Kevin. And we were talking about all these remember the oh, no one in their mid thirties is ever going to get that type yeah. of money anymore. It, it it's a young man's game. Sweeney and I both came to the conclusion that in another five or six years, there are probably going to be a whole bunch of players learning a new position. Like you're going to have guys learning how to play first base or left field because <laughs> they ain't all going to be 28 year old, 29 year old shortstops five years down the road. All of a sudden, you're a 34 year old shortstop. That arm might get a little weaker, the legs might go a bit. There are going to be a lot of guys learning new positions when they're mm-hmm. 34 or 35. But that's where we are. Hey, listen, again, thanks, everybody, for the questions. Uh, we'll do this again. We'll have at least one more podcast before we take the Christmas break. So for all of us here at Blair Barker, Barker, Kevin, yourself, Mark, Austin, everybody here, thanks so much for joining us today.